Hi, it's Carolina. I'm so excited that you could join us on the City Point Redcliffe podcast. You're just about to hear a message from one of our incredible preaching team, and I know you're going to be encouraged and inspired by what you hear. If it does encourage you, why don't you share it with someone who you know might need to hear it as well? And make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of the messages that are uploaded every single week. And for now, sit back and enjoy. I hope you get blessed. This month, we are leaning into what does it mean to have a ripple effect within our world through the act of serving our world? And where we want to get in this today, or today, today, tonight, um, is we're going to open in the scripture to Matthew 5, um, chapter, oh, Matthew chapter 5, verses 14. And uh, if you're familiar with Matthew 5 through 7, it is something called the Sermon on the Mount. And it is Jesus's piece de resistance of his scripture, his teaching, that eventually gets worked out into what we call the church, into life. And here we find he is starting up. He is in the introduction and he is establishing what it means to be a ripple effect. And he says this, Matthew 5.14 says, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. No, instead they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds, see your good deeds, and glorify your Father in heaven. I love this, I, I love this concept that um, we aren't turning off and on our service with God. It is actually something we are. It is not an occupation. Serving God is an identity. Um, it is not like, I, I know as a young person, I was like, man, what is God's direction for my life? What course should I study? What job should I have? Um, what relationships should I cultivate? What friendships should I cultivate? And we ask all these questions of why, and we're looking for this perfect strategy. It's, it's the, sort of equivalent to how people treat horoscopes. They want an insight in order to give themselves peace. But God speaks to us and He said, I'm less worried about the how, and I'm more worried about who I put in there. Because he knows that if we put the right person in the right place, everything else will follow. You don't have to have the right job, you just have to have God with you in your job, and it'll follow. As you don't, man, I, I wanna really be a really successful blah in order to make an impact. You don't have to be a successful whatever, you can just be a really effective Christ follower, and wherever you find yourself, you will be a light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And I love that light is so indiscriminate of where it shines. You'd be like, man, you just walk into the room, and your character, your presence, is actually creating a, a light that it subjects darkness to truth and pushes it back. And so whether you think you're on mission or not, let me tell you, welcome to the family business. That is the title of the message tonight, welcome to the family business. And I wanna pull out three points from this scripture and its relationship to other scriptures in scripture, because we're all about scripture. But what I wanna start with is you are the light of the world, but Jesus is the light of the world. 
So in Matthew 5.14, we read this, that Matthew says that you are the light of the world, and he's speaking through, uh, articulating Jesus' words. But then in John 8, verses 12, we see that when Jesus spoke to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. So Jesus, what is it? Are you the light of the world, or am I the light of the world? And the answer is both. Classic Jesus. <laughs> There's this tension within an understanding as a Christ follower that you need to know who you are and you also need to know who you're not. You need to know who you are and you need to know who you're not. Um, I shared this a couple of months ago before I had a baby and everything turned into one big day. Um, Mark chapter 1, verses 10 to 11, we see there's a, an encounter that Jesus has with John the Baptist, and he's getting baptized, and it's a, a great moment within their relationship, uh, but something quite unique happens during this encounter. Jesus gets baptized, and it says that the Spirit descends upon him as if of a dove, and a voice, cry, uh, and a voice can be heard, and it says this, you are my son, whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. Now, Jesus is about to enter his ministry. He's about to enter his service of humanity. I don't know about you, but if I know that what's before me, I might not necessarily want to just know that, hey, you're my son. I'm, I'm looking more for a strategy. Any strategists in the house? Anyone who wants to know, like, say, oh, we're going to change the world. Okay, how? Give me the financial structures. Are we using zero? Are we using QuickBooks? Are we using uh, who's on team? How are we going to organize it? Is there a roster? Is there not a roster? Who's going to be doing what? Tell me how. Okay, well, we're going to get three people over here. No, he doesn't tell them any strategy. What he communicates is this. Before you need to go and do what you're going to do, you need to know who you are. And let me tell you, my friend, before you're a servant, you're a son. You're a daughter of God. Before you get into the man, I'm trying to do the work of the ministry. Let me know that you do not need to prove yourself to God. You do not need to try and show yourself worthy of him. Before you start doing anything, before Jesus started performing any miracles, what God's message to him was, was you are a son, you are, I am pleased in you. There is an approval existing, which means that if we feel compelled to work for God in any way, shape, or form, it is trying to pull us out as a distraction to be less effective. And he, it is about the light that shines in you in order to shine through you. Is you are a son, you're a daughter of God. You are called a son or a daughter. You are free from condemnation, Romans 8. You were complete in Christ, Colossians 2, verses 9 and 10. You were bought with a price and you belong to God. Confident that God will complete the good work that he has started in you. A minister of reconciliation for God, 2 Corinthians 5. You have been a chosen, appointed to bear fruit that lasts, John 15, verses 16. You have been, not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. You actually carry the Spirit of God that is in you, that is such power and is such anointing that when Peter, after uh, Jesus rose again and ascended into heaven, that it says the very shadow that Peter cast was enough to see somebody healed. Like there is a potency that is in you that actually has nothing to do with you. 
because you are the light of the world, but Christ is the light of the world. So you need to know that you are a son, you are a daughter of God. You do not need to prove yourself. Do you not need to pursue that? There is an approval already in hand, but there's also a sense that to make an eternal impact requires a heavenly influence. So 2 Corinthians 4 verses 5 says this, what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord, and ourselves as servants for Christ's sake. For God, who said, let the light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Verse 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. You have the light of the world, but Christ is the light of the world. There's a sense that we are not smart enough. I'm sorry if this is going to offend you, but you are not good-looking enough to make an eternal impact. You are not good enough to save anybody. It requires a heavenly influence to make an eternal impact. And so there's a sense of you are called, you have the Spirit of God, you have heaven behind you, but in the same way we are holding it loosely because you know that anything I am, I didn't get here by myself. That Ephesians 2.10 that really establishes our church mantra to um, unmistakably influence our world for good and for God says that we are God's handiwork, predestined before time for good works. The handiwork there is the verses before it all talk about the fact that we can't save ourselves, we can't boast. Everything that we are is because God has made us this way. Therefore, we are God's handiwork, destined for good works. Before we get to being the light through us, we need to know that He is in us, that we are in Christ, that He has chosen us, but He is shining through you with such boldness, with such power, that know that when you enter the room at work, you're bringing Jesus into that room. And so you need to know that you are the light of the world, but Jesus is the light of the world. We continue on in Matthew, and we see that the rest of Matthew 5 through 7 is, as I said, the Sermon on the Mount. And so there's Matthew 14 through uh, 15, 16 there is actually just setting it up. It's telling us the what? You are the light of the world. And so he is actually going to give us a how. Strategy achieved, unlocked, fantastic. And so we are looking for that three-point plan, that five-point marketing strategy. We're looking for the financial answers. And here's what Jesus tells us. He teaches on humility. He teaches on peacemaking. He teaches on self-control, when to look at things, how not to look at things. He talks on serving others, relationships, the words we use, the giving, and how we articulate that within our heart. He talks about prayer. He talks about trust. He talks about judging others, and he talks about seeking God. God's plan for you, his strategy for you being a light into the world is not necessarily just what you do. It's who you are. He speaks not to just what a Christ follower does. He speaks to who a Christ follower is. And here's where we get to the point. There's no occupation, there's only identity. There's no occupation, there's only identity. Um, I remember a testimony that came in uh, probably about six months ago, and it was a, a young person, a young adult within our community. 
and uh, they work in a hospitality space and they had an encounter with a customer on a day-to-day -day basis like all of us do in some capacity. And one day, this customer had been noticing the fact that she was always pretty happy. She was always greeting people with a smile. There was a sense that there was something shining out of her and he recognized that this, this person was different. So he asked her, hey, what's, what's the deal? And so she, with great boldness, and um, just sort of sent it and said, well, actually, I, I believe in Jesus, and he came and renovated my life. He came and changed my life, and he came and brought joy to me. Here's a little bit of my story. And um, then money transacted, not because of the advice or anything, um, sent, him, sent him on his way, see you later, have a good day. It seems very unspecial, right? Noticed after... Her shift finished a couple of hours later that he was still outside, still a little bit downcast. And she's like, you know what, let's send it. Went, sat down with him, talked about Jesus, talked about the gospel. And rather than just being like, yo, I'm going to invite him to church and he can be saved there, decided, hey, let's pray right here, right now and see what God does in your life. And he said, okay, led him to prayer and led him to Jesus in that moment. And it's incredible. Her occupation was retail but her identity is Christ. And there's this sense that there's no such thing as a secular job. There's no such thing as a secular job. Whether you work as a tradie, fantastic. You're a Jesus tradie now. <laughs> You're like, man, I'm a, a stay-at-home mom. I'm a stay-at-home dad. Fantastic. You're a Jesus stay-at-home mom. You're a Jesus stay-at-home dad. Because it's not an occupation, it's an identity. You might be like, man, I'm not sure it's, I should study. Should I be in medicine? Should I be in law? Should I be in marketing? Shout out marketing. Um, or you can just, maybe it's less about your occupation and just being whoever you need to be in Jesus and he's going to guide you and he's big enough to put a big fat red stop sign in your place if he needs to. And so it's less about being an occupation and more about being an identity. It's a sonship that we're born into and we are now ambassadors with Christ. And there's a couple of things I identify around this. There's no switching off serving. If it's an identity, then there's no switching off serving. Man, it is getting warm under these lights in this jacket, by the way. I might need that. Uh, we were talking about, I need a, a sweat blanket thing. <laughs> there's no switching off serving. Now, I'm not saying you need to go start a side hustle and get all the hustle hype and all about that. Uh, oh, I need like three businesses on the side of my full-time work and family secondary and all that jazz. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is about a disposition that whatever room you walk into, you're switched on to contributor and not consumer. And there's a sense that there's no switching it off. So whatever you do, whatever you contribute, Right now, you're like, man, I don't have the microphone, but you can be praying me down. You can be praying the person across the room down, being like, heaven, you need to move in their life. Because we're never consumers. We're always contributors. Because it's not an occupation that we leave at the end of the work week. It's an identity that is in our very soul because we are now called sons and daughters of Christ. And so when we talk about it, it's like, oh, man, we're not trying to manipulate. Whenever someone 
gets invited to be on team, it's not so we can have a bigger team. It's an opportunity for you to contribute in the house of God so that you can see something move in someone's life, see something move in your own life. I, I, if someone wants to, to leave a team, I'm like, why? Maybe you're not in the right place and we can find a sweet spot. We're not talking about that. But there's a sense of if, if you need to step back, don't step out. Don't step out. Don't feel, if you're feeling burnt, man, just get some recreation in the Holy Spirit. Get around to some people that can speak into your life and actually lean into maybe some more sustainable decision-making. But don't say, I'm out, because there is a disposition that is in the very identity of the Holy Spirit that says that when I'm in the room, I'm a contributor, not a consumer. And... What's so cool about this is that we all have different roles. Like, you might, might be like, man, Kim, it must be so easy for you to be uh, a great old minister for Jesus because you're employed by the church. I, plot twist, I have only been employed here since like May. Um, I've been working 15 years outside. And so there's no, there's no occupation that is not ministry. There's no secular workplace. It is only... I'm a Jesus follower, therefore I am lifting the standard of this. We should be the best workers because we have a, we have a Holy Spirit prophetic edge. Like we should be going, man, you're getting promoted. You're like, how is this happening? I don't know. Just, I guess it's the Holy Spirit in me. Previous workplace, they actually offered me more money before I started decided to resign, which is always a plot twist. Uh, <laughs> but there's this sense that I didn't do anything in particular there's this something in a Christian that is just so attractive to anyone else because Christ is the answer. He is the light of the world and he is in you and therefore you are the light of the world. Therefore, I can't help but raise the stand of anywhere I go because it's just Jesus in me. It's my identity. John Wesley says, do all the good you can by all the means you can in all the ways you can in all the places you can at all the times you can to all the people you can as long as you ever can. And there's, man, there's such a simplicity of the gospel then. Can we drop some of maybe the, the ideology around should I, should I not? Well, let's just try something and we'll work it out later. The third thing that I identify in this passage that we see as we are the light of the world and Jesus is the light of the world is we need to let the light that shines in us shine brighter than the one that is on us. Let the light that shines in you shine brighter than the one that is on you. Bishop Joseph Garlington, you can look him up. He's a real person. It's a good name, isn't it? And he fits the name. He's exactly who you would picture behind that name. I like that. If the light that shines on you is greater than the light that shines in you, the light that shines on you can consume you. And so you might look at people you regard with high esteem, with a, maybe a position, a platform, and an influence that you don't have. But let me tell you, before Jesus, they were lower than they've ever been before. They're, they're in John 2, 23, Jesus realizes that he's getting a bunch of people following him because the Passover, he does a big teaching, and impact attracts attention that invites temptation. And so we see that there's a, a large number of followers began to follow him, but Jesus did not entrust himself to them because he knew the fickle heart of humanity. 
And we see this in the Sermon on the Mount, that Jesus, in his description of who it means to be a Christ follower, largely has to do with the unseen realm. When you plant a seed and it begins to grow, everything underground is what keeps it up, is what sustains it in the storm. It's what goes deep that enables it to go tall. If in the course of a tree, maybe it's providing coverage because of the depth and width of its, its root system. But let me tell me, let me tell you this, root systems are really unattractive, unsexy things. <laughs> no one high fives each other after a Bible reading and being like, man, I felt pretty average around that one, but I know I got deeper with Jesus. Like there's nothing particularly attractive around doing the deep, dirty work with Jesus in the unseen place. But is it exactly where we need to let the light shine? We need to let it shine so deeply. Jesus says this, when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Why? Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. But when you fast, put on oil on your head and wash your face so that no one will be known that you are fasting. But then your Father who is unseen will reward you. Which of your sons asks for bread will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Is there a sense that maybe serving people isn't the goal? Maybe it's serving Jesus. Maybe it's serving his heart and looking to the Father and letting his love and letting the light of God shine in you so much that you just capture his heart for other people. If you're serving people in order to get the approval of people, you need to get back on your knees in the secret place and let the light that shines in you be brighter than the light that shines on you. Because I don't know about you, but I want to be in this for the long haul. I don't want to be another statistic from someone else who's saying, man, that was a good pastor like 15 years ago. Or I remember Cam, what happened to him? My greatest encouragement, particularly for Amanda and I as we were starting to build the youth ministry, is it, you overestimate what you can achieve in 12 months and underestimate what you can achieve with a lifetime of faithfulness. And so, my friends, if you want to be in this with a long haul with me, there's this sense that we need to do continual heart checks to identify that is the light that shines in me brighter than the one that is on me. I don't want to seek... Uh, a platform with people and then surrender my platform before my father and be unknown to him but known to a bunch of people I don't know. Come back to the father and let his light shine again in the unseen place. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message inspires you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. Go ahead and share it with a friend. And can I invite you to connect with us on one of our many social media platforms as well. Most importantly, if you made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to say congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We'd love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services around the world this Sunday. 
And you can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We would be so thrilled to see you there.